Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 80 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So in today's episode, I want to take a step back or a a kind of step in the direction of the abstract or the more general principles of communication. And I want to talk broadly about how like one key to getting better at communication period, whether, and this applies to kind of all of the things that we've talked about in all the episodes. And it's the difference, it's, it's requires us to make a transition from what I tell my students is pre-reflective communication practices to reflective communication practices and understanding how to make that kind of mental shift and then how to apply that mental shift. And so let's start by talking about what pre-reflective means and what pre-reflective communication practices are and why they uh, are important for us. So by pre-reflective, I mean the kinds of things we don't consciously think about in the front of our mind. So imagine you wake up in the morning and you're trying to decide what shirt to wear to work that day and you have two or three shirts out and you're consciously choosing shirt A instead of shirt B or C for some particular reason. That means it's in your kind of reflective consciousness and you're worrying about it, you're troubled about it, etc. cetera. Uh, let's say on the other hand, you get up and just pick a shirt out of a closet without thinking at all, put it on and, and go to work. So you've kind of pre-reflectively without thinking chosen something for, for the day. Now, in our, our basic communication practices, so whatever we possess as individual agents, as kind of default communication practices, the kinds of shirts we would just put on during the day, no matter what, are for the most part pre-reflective. We don't think about our habitual communication practices. We just sort of do them. Um, the, and the, the way we come about just sort of doing them is that the clothes that are put in the, our closets, and here I'm speaking metaphorically, obviously, the, the communication practices that are put in our pre-reflective consciousness are put there through imitation of other kinds of communication practices that we've seen from an early age. So we tend to kind of habitually respond to situations in patterns or with communication practices that we've seen from others, or we tend to habitually or pre-reflectively respond to communication practices uh, with with kind of pre-reflective communication practices because the whole circuit of communication is pre-reflective to some degree. So what I mean by that is, okay, so you've put on your shirt without really thinking, you go to work, um, you get to work and your boss is super annoying and uh, he's often agitated and uh, anxious and fired up. So he like barges in your office with a great deal of urgency and anger and frustration. And he says, we've got to do this thing right away. Uh, Your response is a kind of you're likely to have a kind of pre-reflective, unconscious, mirrored response of anxiousness and uh, increased sort of anxiety. Uh, so if your boss is all fired up and, and worried about something, 
you'll react in a kind of anxious, fired up, sort of worried manner also. Uh, why? Because a lot of the communication process is unconscious or pre-reflective. Like a lot of things that are going on aren't about just the meaning of the words that are being exchanged or the information being exchanged. And so that's something I've been saying on this podcast in every episode, right? It's not the information that's being exchanged by your boss that does the the making of the, it, that is the only thing that's involved in the process of making meaning. It's the the effects that the interaction is producing. And and some of those effects are, are largely unconscious. So they're pre-reflective. Um, so either we have these kind of pre-reflective habits or we pre-reflectively are responsive in communication situations because the communication circuit is in part unconscious or pre-reflective. Um, so the, the, and here, like think about, um, or even think about an interpersonal situation. So your partner comes home from a long day of work and you don't think what is the best thing to ask this person or you're not thinking reflectively about how you engage them communicatively. You just do it without thinking. That's what I mean by pre-reflective communication practices. Um, most, uh, I, I would say the vast, vast majority of the population, like 98, 99% of people in the world, uh, communicate pre-reflectively. It's sort of like they're all getting up in the morning and not thinking at all about the shirt that they put on. They just put on a shirt and walk out the door and, and, and go to work. Uh, so there's no conscious reflection on their communication practices. I uh, think also, you know, let's say you're negotiating a new salary. Uh, your boss says, you know, no, I don't think a 5% raise is appropriate at this time. You haven't been, you know, that good at your job lately. You've been deficient in these areas. Well, someone says that your pre-reflective response is to argue back is to say, wait, I have been really good in that area that you said. No, that's not true. So you initially engage in a debate without even thinking whether the debate is the right thing to engage in, whether to be defensive or not. So in an earlier episode, I was talking about strategic communication. Strategic communication is born from moving whatever is pre-reflective into reflective consciousness. So it's, it's born from the transition of stopping yourself from pre-reflectively responding or reacting in communicative practice to thoughtfully and reflectively choosing which communication practice and what what communication intervention you want to make in any given scenario. So what I always tell my students is that the key to improving your communication practice, whatever you're doing, if it's public speaking, if it's interpersonal communication, if it's leadership, if it's persuasion, it doesn't matter. The the broad-based signature key is is transforming what is pre-reflective into reflective. So is stopping the unconscious habits with which you respond to the world and replacing them with habits that you've consciously thought through as the best habits. Um, and, and communication is kind of like a weird thing because it's not like all the other habits we have. I'm trying to think of a, a good example, but so I'm American, but I live in Canada and I grew up from, I, I don't remember ever not playing baseball. So I grew up playing baseball um, and throwing a baseball and playing catch. And my oldest son, when he was like nine, I made him play Little League once. I played Little League my whole life. I made him play Little League once. Uh, I went to watch the first game and it was a total embarrassment. 
no child on the field could throw a ball properly. The level of competition for nine-year-olds was embarrassing to me as an American because our level of competition was so much higher. Uh, none of the coaches knew how to throw a, base throw a baseball right. They were all kind of just unconsciously throwing it, but their habit was totally wrong. It was it was completely wrong. So I took my son aside and I was like, you can't throw the ball like that. You know, you have to throw it like this. And I had to get him to reflectively think through how to throw the ball right. And it took us a whole lot of practice for him to throw the baseball correctly. To And I wondered like, well, where did all these where did all these Canadian kids come up with this pre-reflective sense of how to throw a baseball? And why is it so wrong? And what will happen to them? And I think one of the things that will happen to them is that they never reflectively think about how to throw a baseball correctly. Then they'll always engage in this incorrect habit. They'll always be throwing it wrong for the rest of their lives. Um, and it reminds me of communication. But the difference is that... Uh, Baseball, you know, not everybody plays baseball. Not everybody cares about baseball. It doesn't really matter that these kids are, are throwing a baseball wrong. None of them are going to play Major League Baseball. None of them, as far as I can tell, can play at any level higher than Little League. Uh, they won't be able to throw far enough because they throw incorrectly. But it won't matter. It's wholly irrelevant to their lives. But in communication, the same exact thing is happening for every single person in the world. And it will have a, a determinative impact on the quality of their life going forward. So if they're, for example, listening wrong for their whole lives, instead of throwing a baseball wrong, wrong if they're listening wrong for their whole lives, um, what enormous influence that will have on their the quality of their life, professionally, personally, etc. And how are they expected, or at what moment are they expected to make a transition from pre-reflectively listening with a communication habit that they learned somehow, somewhere that I don't know about, to reflexively thinking about the best way to listen and then doing it over and over and again so that it becomes more natural. Now, my son doesn't play Little League at all, but man, he can throw the ball. He's got a great arm. I wish he would play Little League because he'd be fantastic. He's too old for Little League now, but I wish he played baseball because he, I think he'd be really good, but he has no interest in the sport and doesn't care. Uh, but he throws the baseball right because we've thrown over and over and over again and reflexively thought through how to throw over and over and over again. Well, that's what's required for a good listener too or a good public speaker or someone who's good at interpersonal communication or someone who's good at leadership. You need to make a transition from the aspects of communication, all of which are pre-reflexive for most of our lives, to a kind of reflexive, thoughtful intervention on those things. Um, so I brought up listening, so let's take listening for a second. I, I, I'm thinking about making a whole other episode about mirroring because it's so important um, and it's so critical. I just read this book by an FBI negotiator, and the opening chapter of the book is about how critical, how the FBI trains their negotiators to mirror uh, people in these high-stakes hostage situations because it's such an effective listening tool. But it's, it's not the way we normally throw the ball. It's not the way we normally listen. When we're in a situation and we're listening to someone else, we're usually listening for the arguments that we can refute or the points at which we can intervene or the points at which we can advance our own position successfully. Most of our listening, we're not listening at all. We're just listening to ourselves, think about what we're going to say next while the other person says a whole bunch of stuff that we barely pay attention to. This is so true that I learned that in the FBI negotiators, when, when they're in these situations, they have five FBI trained professionals listening 
on a phone call because they think listening is so important and we're so bad at it that even the five trained people, one of them might miss something and they need multiple people to make sure that nobody misses anything when they're doing doing listening. And I was like blown away by that. Uh, so I started wondering, like, what, what does it take to transition from a Canadian, you know, Canadian nine-year-old who throws a baseball wrong to a Canadian 10-year-old who throws a baseball right? What does it take to transition from a kind of pre-reflective uh, listening that involves paying attention to only the points at which you can intervene and only the information that you're interested in as a biased listener to the kind of mirroring that would successfully manufacture or build trust? Well, it takes... A, the person to stop, to slow the process down. So with my son and, and throwing a baseball, we had to stop and slow the process down to each component of the process. Uh, and then he had to think about his body, his arm, the position of his arm, the position of his legs, the position of his shoulders and its hips, all of the position of those things while engaged in the activity. And guess what? At first, it was super awkward it, he would say, oh, this feels weird. It, it doesn't feel right. It feels unusual. And I tell this to my students all the time. I'm like, well, if you start doing communication practice X or communication practice Y, you're probably going to tell me that felt super weird. It was really uncomfortable to do that. It was really awkward. And my response is, of course, it's supposed to feel awkward. It's supposed to feel unusual because we just took a habit or a practice that you've been doing your entire life in a kind of uh, repeated, patterned, unconscious way. And we've tried to slow it down and replace it with a new practice or a new habit that's different in kind in all, in all these sorts of ways. It's gonna feel unnatural to you or a bit because the other communication practice felt natural in ways that you didn't even think about it. So um, this always happens, of course, with, with when I teach my students mirroring maybe I should just make the next episode about about mirroring to follow up on this. But uh, mirroring really simply is you take the, the three, whatever either the three last words a person said or the three most important person wor uh, words a person said, and you just repeat them back to them in a kind of questioning format. And my students invariably, when I teach them this, they're like, oh, that feels so strange. It just feels so weird. I feel so awkward doing this. And I say to them, you know, okay, well, listen in a way that doesn't feel awkward. So first we do this exercise of just like, just listen to this person. And I try to get them to explain how they were listening or what they were doing. And it's really hard for them because it's unconscious, right? Their action is unconscious. Um, and then they do the mirroring and then they, they complain that it feels awkward or feels unusual. And it's the same as my son saying, well, throwing the ball this way feels awkward or feels unusual. Um, but... It, it feels unusual because uh, you're thinking about all of the components of what you're doing and trying to do a practice in a totally different way than what you've been normalized, what's been normalized for you, what's been, um, what's become habit, habit for you. Um, this applies then to all communication practices. It happens in writing too. So we learn habits of writing in high school and in elementary school and uh, in text messaging, etc., we don't think about those habits. And then we are troubled when we try to write more, right? when we try to reflexively think about how we're writing and then make revisions with that reflexive thought process in mind to improve it. And then we say, oh, that feels awkward. That sounds awkward. Or that doesn't seem quite right because we've changed our habit. Um, okay, so the... the 
the original point I'm trying to make here is that if you're to get better at communication, you need to first recognize that most of your communication practices and habits are pre-reflective. They're unconscious. They're unconscious because the ways in which we react to the world around us are um, conditioned by these kinds of emotional uh, responses or unconscious reflexive, re unconscious reflexive reactions to actions or effects being produced by, by others. So we just kind of react without thinking or play out a script. And a lot of uh, societal communication is scripted uh, in a kind of dramatic way that we don't think about also. Someone says, hello, we say, hey, how are you doing? We're not thinking about whether how you're doing is the right question to ask or the best question to ask. We just reflex, uh, pre-reflexively ask it when someone says, someone asks us how we're doing. So you first have to recognize that we all communicate and in when all of us are communicating, we're almost all always doing it pre-reflexively or, or at least significant, hugely significant components of our communication practice and habits are pre-reflective. Either they're structurally pre-reflective, by which I mean we kind of form sentences or form ideas or express ourselves in patterns that we're not worried about or don't think about, um, or they're kind of um, non-verbally pre-reflexive and, and reactive and responsive. Uh, so all that is happening unconsciously, someone who's really good at communication can slow those unconscious pre-reflective processes down and replace them with reflexive practices. And by reflexive practices, I mean the choice to engage in a communication practice that makes sense for those circumstances and, that I'm in, uh, and that doesn't just repeat the reactive pattern that I use normally. Um, so I think, uh, when so at least my students in our, our undergraduate major, like this is a problem too. So the students end up not being able to not think about it and it can be destabilizing at first. It's, it's hard once you realize, or once you start to start trying to make the transition from pre-reflexive to reflexive practice, you get used to doing some reflexive practice you start realizing that you're communicating all the time, so you can never stop thinking about how you're communicating. And at first, the first step in making this transition can be really um, disabling is maybe the right word, or it can be anxiety producing, it could be troubling, it could be frustrating, because you've just made conscious all these habits and practices that are otherwise unconscious, and now you have to think about whether all of them are any good. And you have to also invent some new practices or new habits to try and replace them with that are more thoughtful and more intentional. So it could be really disarming uh, or disabling, disarming is not the right word, disabling or frustrating transition for people to make, especially for my students who are 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, and it'll also take some time to figure out how to replace some reflexive, uh, some reflexive practices, um, how to re replace pre-reflective practices with reflective practices. But if you can do it, you're, you will surely surely be more successful. I think I, I like mirroring as an example because it's such an easy reflexive practice. Uh, you just start listening for the key words and repeating the key words back to someone and you see what happens in that process. Um, 
And it's an easy one to replace because most of us are such terrible listeners. We're really, really bad because when we're listening, our, ref our pre-reflective habit is to just seek out the information that will confirm or disconfirm our own beliefs and then internally monologue about what we're going to say when it's our turn to talk. Like that's our, our pre-reflective habit of, of listening. And it's really, it's really terrible. Um, yeah, okay. So um, the message for today, and I think this is a kind of, at this episode is a kind of parallel to the very first episode. So I said in the first episode of the podcast, right, it's about what effect have I had, not did you get it. So the way to improve your communication, regardless of all the other kind of micro detailed practices we talked about in the podcast, if you stop asking, did you get it and start asking what effect have I had? That's one key, key way to inevitably improve your communication practices. I would say the second more detailed key transition for anyone to make is the transition from pre-reflective communication practices to reflective practices. And that means stopping their kind of unconscious, unthinking, reactive communication patterns and behaviors and replacing them with more thoughtful and intentional communication practices or behaviors. And I think all of the communication practices or behaviors I've laid out in the course of this um, in the course of this podcast have been attempts to move from the pre-reflective to the reflective. So even the last episode, when we're talking about switch tracking, I think a lot of people unconsciously or pre-reflectively switch track. So someone comes home and is like, I'm upset at you because of X. Well, what about Y? The reason they switch track is they, they are made uncomfortable by the accusation that they've done something wrong. They don't want to be a bad person, so they switch track. But they don't, they're don't. they not consciously switch tracking. I think some people will consciously switch track. Um, master politicians will consciously switch track. Uh, but they're doing it pre-reflectively. So you have to replace that pre-reflective practice with a more reflective practice. And if you did that, you would escape some of the arguments or some of the conflict that happens when, when switch tracking happens. So really what this podcast has been about the last 79 episodes at least have been about both understanding what effect you have when you say something or do something in some circumstances and making conscious what is otherwise unconscious so making us reflect on our practices or bringing them our practices to the state of reflexive practice and out of the state of pre-reflective practice so if you want to get better at communication not only do you have to ask what effect have I had, but you have to trans transition from pre-reflective communication practices to reflective communication practices. All right, I think in the next episode, I'll just make another episode about mirroring that kind of tracks this, um, this, this transition. It could help. It could expand on an earlier episode. All right, so thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll be back shortly with episode 81.